<laughs> hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Clayton. Uh, thank you guys for being here. I uh, mean, it, it's an exciting day as we begin uh, to fulfill the pledges that we've made, and uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, Three million two hundred fifty thousand dollars been pledged, and let me just say something. Um, that well, was shot on Tuesday. Um, that number has already gone up by another eighty thousand bucks since Tuesday. So um, it's at three million uh, three hundred and thirty thousand dollars right now. So that's easy to remember. Three three three. Okay, you can remember that. Um, but man, I just want to say thank you. That's that's unbelievable. Um, I am I am in awe of the commitment that um, you have made. And honestly, it, it's pretty exciting to be a part of something like this and see um, what God is going to do in us and through us. And so the next couple of years is, is going to be an exciting time to be a part um, of Central. And it all kind of started when, you know, s- some, some leaders, they got together and said, hey, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to be uh, kind of the, the first ones to, to make some pledges. And then it just kind of like a snowball effect. It just con- continued. And, and uh, we have a ton of church families that have, kind of in a domino effect way have just said, you know what, we're going to be a part of this um, as well. And in, in a way, it was kind of like our, our chance to, to burn the ships and saying, we're not going back to the way uh, we used to do things. We're moving forward because we truly believe that God is in this and he is doing something special um, in, here at, at Central. And it kind of reminds me of of this series that we're going to wrap up today as we've been talking about burning your ships and and this idea from the 1500s when there was this, this guy named Cortez, and he was a Spanish explorer, and he had 600 guys with him, and they had 11 ships, and they made it to the New World, but they kind of stopped on the shore, and they didn't um, move inland to the place they, that they were supposed to go and to, to fulfill the task that they had been um, tasked with. And so what happened is Cortez finally had to burn their ships to get them to move forward. And I don't know exactly how he did it, but perhaps he started with one ship, And then he went to the next one, and maybe that next one caught the next one on fire. And just like we're doing with this capital campaign, this domino effect um, happened. And all of the ships ended up being burned, and they moved forward to accomplish some incredible things. Well, we're going to finish today talking about burning the ships in our own lives. In fact, it's found in Matthew chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, and everything's going to be on the screen right here um, this morning. But in Matthew chapter 16... In verse 24, um, we hear a, a, about uh, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And as a disciple of Jesus, you must do some things. First, you must uh, deny yourself. Um, and, and when you deny yourself, let me give you a little recap from the last couple of weeks. You have to burn the ship of self-importance, that, that it's not all about you. When you get to a point in your life when you realize you know what, the, wor- the world was, does not revolve around me. It is not all about me. I've got to take my ego and put it in the back seat. It is no longer in charge in my life. That's, what it, that's one of the steps to following Jesus is to, to deny yourself, to burn the ship of self-importance. Last week, we talked about um, taking up your cross and what that looks like. And we have to burn the ship of, of self-preservation. You have to take your old life and you have to crucify it every single day day and say, I'm no longer going to be that way. And it's a little scary to think about giving up your life for the sake of Christ. And, but when you do that, something amazing happens. You get an even better life in return. And that's something that, that God promises us. Well, we're going to look at the last part of this verse today that says to follow me. And we're going to look at the idea of burning the ship of self-reliance. Burning the ship of self-reliance. So let's look at this final 
verse for the last time. Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must do some things. First, deny themselves and then take up their cross and then follow me. A couple weeks ago, GCK, our preschool was, was ending and the day before, I just walked over there. Sometimes I walk over there randomly and freak people out, I guess. I don't know. The kid's like, who is this person over here? And security is terrible, I guess. I just make it in there. I don't know how. Um, but uh, so I, I'll go in there, and these kids were coming out of one of their classrooms. And, and they were going to another classroom. And, man, it's, it's amazing. They got this little trick that all the teachers do. They, they tell the kids to put their hands behind their back, right? And they, the blow, they have to put a bubble in their mouth. Okay, it's amazing, okay? I don't, it, it's, it's brilliant. It doesn't work in middle school and high school, but, you know, for these preschoolers, it works. And so they were coming out of the class, and they were doing that, and I just, I feel like a little kid sometimes, so I just jumped in the middle of the line. And I started walking, and I'm looking back at these kids, and these kids are looking at me like, who in the world is this guy? And uh, I started kind of weaving um, down the hallway, and, you know, I turned around, and they were just doing the exact same things. Like, they didn't know. They're just, they're just following the person in front of them. And then we get down to the T at the end, and they were taking a right, and I was like, I'm done with this. And so I take a left, and I walk down the hallway, I turn around, and like half the class had followed me um, down, down the hallway. And I was like, whoops, you know, but, but, but honestly, this is, that's what it means to kind of follow someone. And Jesus' go-to call to be a disciple is for us to follow him. In fact, back in the day, as a rabbi, Jesus was a rabbi, and for other people to follow a, a rabbi meant to literally um, get behind them in line and to step where they stepped. So the big question for today is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Now, this phrase, following Jesus, is probably one of the most overused phrases in all of Christianity. And there's some other overused phrases in our culture, and I think you know them so well, you could probably help me uh, to remember, remember them. And so Here's one. What doesn't kill you makes you, okay? Um, Everything happens for a, where there's a will. Okay, you guys know this. You probably didn't know this one. I heard this one recently. Instead of having a bad day, be thankful you have the day. Man, when I hear that, am I having a bad day? I just want to punch that person in the face. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what's going on in my life. In kind of the same way, when, when you're, having, you don't, you're struggling and, and you're walking with, with Jesus and someone says, man, you just got to just follow Jesus. You're like, mm, mm. I, don't, I don't know what that means, but I don't like you saying that to me. I need some help. And so the big question for today is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, Scripture gives us a lot of information about what it means. And I want to walk through some of that with you today. In 1 Peter Peter, one of the disciples, one of the ones that heard this from Jesus about what it meant to follow him. Jesus specifically looked at him and said, I want you to to drop your nets and to follow me. Here's what Peter says. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. I don't like that, but that's in scripture, okay? Even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. So the most basic way to interpret this scripture is to say this. Following Jesus means to imitate him even if it costs you. Even if it costs you. The Bible says it is going to cost you. It says that there is going to be suffering just like Christ suffered. So how are we going to to suffer? Well, you you may lose some relationships You may lose your family. You may lose your your friends. 
You may lose your social standing. Are you okay with that? You may have to give up the pleasures of this world for something better. And you have to be okay with rejection. You have to be okay with persecution. And for some people on this planet, you have to be okay with giving up your very life for the name of Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you may have to give up even some good things for something that's even better. But the truth this morning is it's all worth it. If you're a person who lacks finances, let me say this. The return is incredible for that kind of sacrifice. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus, he even explains it to us. He says this, yes, and I assure you that everyone who, is, who has given up, get this, who give up their house or brothers or sisters, some of you guys would like to give up brother or sister, but okay, or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news, you're going to receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. He's going to throw that in there too. In the world to come, this is the best part. That person will have eternal life. The return is incredible. When you say, you know what? I'm all in. Jesus, I'm all in. I want to follow you. So based off of this, following Jesus means to be like him, to imitate him, that it's different than following the world, okay? And it may cost you, but there's a, a great return on that. But that sounds to me just like a concept or just like a really good idea. But without a, a plan behind that, that concept, it's just that. It's just, it's just an idea. It's like getting in a sports car and you realize that it's on blocks and there's no, there's no tires. Or you jump on that racehorse and you get to go around the track and you realize the racehorse doesn't have any legs, when it comes to following Jesus, you've got to have some steps, some practical ways you can actually accomplish that in your life. Otherwise, it's just this idea, it's just this saying that we say all the time. We don't really mean or understand what it means. So I'd like to give you today four steps, four simple steps to following Jesus. And the way we're going to do this is we're going to go way back into the Old Testament and we're going to look at the, these, these two guys and I always get them mixed up. So if I, if I say their names backwards, just forgive me, okay? One's name is Elijah, and one other guy's name is Elisha. Now, these guys were prophets, and Elijah was the older guy. He was the man. I mean, everybody knew about Elijah, and he was the prophet of God. And so back then, kings and rulers ruled the nation, but the prophet spoke on behalf of God to the people. And Elijah was in a bad spot. I mean, he had ticked off the wrong people. He's running for his life. And God speaks to him and says, hey, I want you to pass the torch on to someone else. In fact, there's this young man I want you to go and talk to. And so let's, let's pick up in the story. In 1 Kings chapter 19, here's what happens. So Elijah, he went and found this other guy, this young man named Elisha, son of Shaphat, Plow in a field. So they, they have a farm, okay? And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. And Elijah went over to him, and he, he threw his cloak across his shoulders, and then he walked away. And, and Elisha, he quickly, immediately, he just, he left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, first, let me go and, and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'm going to go with you. And Elijah replied, Okay, go on back. 
But think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen, and he he slaughtered them. And he used the wood from the the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. So, okay, let me explain some of this and what this means for us today. So Elisha had these 12 oxen. I mean, that's a lot back then. And he was on the 12th one. What it meant is that his family had had a big farm. I mean, today it's like tractors. If someone has 12 tractors, that's a lot of land. That's a big property. What that meant is that his whole future was planned out for him. Maybe he was going to inherit that farm, that land, but there was a ton of land, a ton of prosperity, and his future was already set. He knew exactly what his life was going to be about. Elijah puts his cloak around him, and I'll explain that in a minute. It changes Elisha's life. And Elisha, you know what what he did? He goes, and he burns up that farm equipment. He takes those animals And he slaughters them and has a barbecue. Why did he do that? You see, his his old life had been set up for success. His whole future was planned in front of him. And what he did is he literally cut the cord to that. He said, you know what? I'm saying goodbye to all of that. And I'm following after God. In fact, that is the first step to following Jesus is you got to cut the cord you got to cut the cord. Following Jesus means cutting the cord to your, your old life, to your past. Now, sometimes your past is good. Sometimes your past is bad. Some of us have these past successes where we were the man. And we're still riding the coattails of our past thinking that it is going to get us a great future. And it, is, it has gotten us to this point in this life. But you got to cut the cord to those things. You can't rely on those things if you want to really follow God. For some of us, we have this past that really defines us as well in a negative way. We have tons of guilt, tons of regret. We've made all these bad decisions. And we have gotten to this point in our life and we say, this is it for me. God can never use me. Those two things, whether good or bad, those, those, that old way of life is defining you. And if you really want to follow God, you've got to cut the cord to those things having that kind of influence in your life. But you also have to cut the cord to, to this future that you have planned for, for yourself. How many of y'all have a great future planned for yourself? Anybody? Every single one of us. Come on, that's, that's the American way. You know, you got, this, you got this life plan, you got it all figured out. And what it means to follow Jesus is to say, you know what, I do have this plan, Jesus, but none of it compares to following you. I'm making this commitment on my knees to you that I will go where you call me and I will do what you call me to do. None of that matters. Instead of relying on myself, instead of relying on my talents and and my successes, I'm going to rely on you. That's what it means to to burn the ship of self-reliance. I'm not trusting in myself anymore. I'm cutting the cord of that and saying, Jesus, use me. That's the first step. The second step we find in Elisha's story as well, and it is is this, to to make it public. You got to make it public. This is exactly what, what Elisha did. I'll go on to the next part of the verse where we ended, and he says this. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate, and then he went with Elijah um, as his assistant. You know what he did? He threw a party. This was not a secret. He threw a party to townspeople, so his family and friends, everybody in his life, his world, knew about the decision he had made. It wasn't a secret. And when when it comes to following Jesus... 
We're supposed to tell the world as well. We're supposed to make it public. It's not a secret. We live in America. This is not North Korea, okay? It's going to be okay if you tell people you're following Jesus. We're called to tell people of the decision that we've made. Practically, we have to do that. It's why we have invitations at church. It's why we have invitations at the end of the service. It's why we have public baptisms, because we want people to know. You need to make it public. You need to tell people. And when you make it public, some things happen. One thing that happens is that you get community, and you need community to follow Jesus. It's hard to do by yourself. And you also get accountability, because people know the decision you've made. And you need that as well to follow Jesus. It's an important step to make it public. That's the second step. Here's the third step. Third step is to set up reminders. This is exactly what happened to um, Elisha. So back in this passage in verse 19, we skipped over this part, but it said this. Elijah went over to him, and he threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Uh, Elijah didn't have to say a word, okay? He didn't say anything because there was great meaning behind putting the prophet's coat on someone else. You see, the passing of a cloak or a robe or this coat that a prophet wore meant the passing of power and authority to to the next person. And the Bible shows that Elisha knew exactly what that was about because he didn't say a word. They didn't have this conversation. Elijah just walks off and Elisha runs after him and says, hey, I will follow you. My life is completely changed because of this call on my life by God. Back then, the, the, the cloak or the robe, it was like a probably made out of animal skin, and not everybody had one. In fact, it was just the prophet. I mean, so you, could, you saw the prophet walking down the road, and you're like, oh, that's the prophet. You may have never met him before, but you knew based off of the, what he was wearing. And so Elijah gives this to Elisha. And it was a reminder to Elisha for the rest of his life. He was a prophet for 60 years, and he wore that cloak every single day to remind himself of the call of God on his life, and to remind everybody else of that same call. We need reminders to help us sometimes. Following God is sometimes difficult. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we get distracted by this world, and we need some reminders to help us. We need um, encouragement. In fact, the Old Testament people did this all the time to to remind themselves. Let me actually go to, to Numbers, okay? Numbers of all places. In this passage, here's what it says. They, they used to wear these, these crazy clothes, and they would, they would sew these tassels onto their, their clothes as reminders. Here's what it says. When you see the tassels, you'll remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you're prone to do. It's, it's to help you to walk with God. We need some tassels. We'll get, let's bring it back, guys. Okay, anybody with me? Teenagers? No? Okay. All right, we're not going to do that. We're not going to forget tassels. But we need some daily reminders that we're supposed to follow God. We need it. Maybe some of us need to take out our Bible and put it in a permanent location. We're going to see it every day on the breakfast table, on the nightstand. So whether you're getting up or you're going to bed, you're going to remember, hey, I need to get into God's word. Some of us, we need to go buy some jewelry that's, that's got some scripture on it or a cross or something to remind us or, or, uh, or get um, a keychain so you have your, your car keys with you at all times and, and you'll remember that I need to follow Jesus today. Some of us need to go get a sticker, bumper sticker, put it on our car. That'll change how you drive too, by the way. <laughs> okay. Put something in your dash to remind yourself. 
when you take our smartphones, when you change our lock screen or home screen, change the wallpaper on that to remind us to follow Jesus every single day. Some of us need to allow push notifications from the Bible app, you know. Instead of taking that off, you need to, you need to let that go through. So to remind you every single day to follow God. You get something, put it in your pocket. You see it every day. Get a tattoo. I don't care, right? Something. Figure out a way to remind yourself that every single day you need to follow him. Every single day. Here's the fourth step. It's to get in step. Simple as that. We got to get in step with God. Psalm 73 says this, but as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. There's this incredible intimacy here in this passage. How good it is to be near to God. We got to get in step with him. When you go hiking, there's two ways to go hiking. You can either hike by yourself or with other people. When you hike by yourself, it is all on you, isn't it? I mean, you got to study the maps. You got to know where you're going. You know, when you get to uh, decisions and you have to go right or left, you have to do that on your own. You have to be totally locked into where you're going. Otherwise, you will get lost and it'll go bad for you. Some people hike alone. A lot of people, they hike with a group, whether that's just one more person or an entire group of people. And it's a totally different kind of hike. You hike with, with people. And if anybody ever had someone hike behind them, what do those people always do? They get, like, way back behind you, you know? Everybody try to hike with kids? Oh, man, it's terrible, right? And so you're hiking, and you're hiking, and you got to stop, and you got to sit down and wait, and they, they slowly catch up. You're like, all right, here you go. And you go on, and you got to stop again and wait, and they finally catch up. Everybody always ends up falling behind when they're, when they're following someone else. Why do they do that? Because they're distracted. They're looking around, and they're, they're not thinking about where they're going because they have someone in front of them, and they're just kind of looking around and, and taking it easy. When it comes to following Jesus... Sometimes we get distracted. And sometimes Jesus, it seems like he gets so far in front of us, like he's moving too fast. But the problem is Jesus is not moving too fast. He's consistent. The problem is us. We get distracted when it comes to following him. We can't see his footsteps anymore. We don't know where he's going. And then spiritually in this life, we come to a fork in the road, and we don't know which way to go. We're lost. And every hiker eventually comes to a fork in the road. And forks and decisions, they're easy when you're following Jesus, when you're close to him. You see, following Jesus isn't supposed to be at this incredible distance. It's supposed to be intimate and close. Look what James chapter 4 says. James says, come close to God, and God, he's going to come close to you. So how close are we supposed to get to God? Close enough to see the back of his heels. Close enough that we can see his, his footsteps. And perhaps even close enough to where, you ever heard of like uh, giving someone a flat tire? It's, where, it's when you step on the back of their heel and their foot comes out of their shoe, okay? Drive you insane if people do that to you. We need to get close enough to Jesus where he gets maybe a little ticked at us and says, stop it, like you're too close, Okay? We need to be close to Jesus so we know exactly where he is walking. Here's a hiking tip. Follow the leader and get close. When you do that, there's great protection there. You get to enjoy the journey. 
You're not worried about where you're going because you know and you trust the person that's right in front of you. And when they come to a fork in the road, when they take a left or a right, you don't have to worry about it because you know exactly which way they went. You see, Jesus is supposed to be right there close to us. There's supposed to be this intimacy. In fact, John 15, 4, Jesus says this. Abide in me, and I in you. This word abide, is, it's, it's talking about this close relationship where y'all are connected so much. It's hard to tell the difference between the two. That's what it means to be sanctified. That is this ongoing process of the Christian life of sanctification, of growing closer and closer to Jesus every single day. You got to get in step with them. You need reminders. You need to make it public. You got to cut some cords in your life. That's how you follow after Jesus. Let me just say this. For every single person that's in this room, everybody that's watching online, Jesus is calling you to follow him. To follow him. That is his call for our lives. And I have to be honest. It's not going to be easy. He never promises that it will be easy. But he does promise that it will be an abundant life. And he'll bless you. And he will be near to you. And he will be with you in this life. And the best part is he will be with you for eternity. But the first step is always the hardest step, isn't it? It's the most difficult thing to do. And it's, it's the one we're most unsure of. So let me ask this. What is your next step to following Jesus? What is your next step to the truth about him? And we say this truth all the time, the gospel message that you are a sinner according to God's word and Jesus came to pay for your sins. He came on this earth and he died for you on the cross. The biggest question is what are you gonna do with that information? Every single person that hears this this morning has to make a decision, either to say yes to that or no to that. What is your next step? To cut the cord of your old way of life. That's you surrendering to him and saying, I'm accepting that gift. I'm surrendering. It's not based off of me anymore. I'm trusting in you instead of trusting in myself. That's what it means to have faith in Jesus. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe for some of you, you need to make it public. You've trusted him, but you've kept it private. In fact, here in a second, we're going to have an invitation to come to the front or invitation to come to the connection, whatever, to, to come and find somebody and let people know. Make it public. And we can, we can do all the baptism stuff later, and that's another way to, to make it public. But that's a, maybe that's the step that somebody needs to make today. For some of you who may have followed Jesus for a really long time, and you need to set up some reminders in your life, like some practical ways. You find yourself going too many days without being connected to him. And you wonder why things aren't right in your life. You wonder why you're spiritually dry. Maybe you just need to set up some reminders, some practical things to have some consistency and help when it comes to following him. Some of you, maybe that reminder will help you to get in step. Jesus is way out in front of you. You need to get caught up. What makes these steps doable 
is when you take a match and you burn those ships. Especially today, the, the ship of self-reliance. I'm not relying on myself anymore. I'm not going to try to do this life on my own anymore. You know what it means to really burn, burn your ships? It means you're not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back to my old way of life. I'm moving forward. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And I pray that you'll do that today. In fact, let me pray for you right now. Lord, I just want to pray for every single person that, that's here this morning. I pray, Lord, for, for you to move in their life. I don't know where everybody's at. I don't know what step they need to take, but you do. And I pray, Lord, that you would convict them right now. If they need to trust in you for the very first time, I pray they would do that. If they need to make their faith public, I pray that they would come in and tell somebody right now. If they need to get some practical ways to, to grow closer to you and continue daily following you, I pray you'd help them to set up some reminders in their life. And it would be an incredible help for them to never miss a day, to talk to you, to read your word, to be obedient to you. I pray for, the, uh, for some of us who are, who are kind of lost spiritually. We're walking down this path. We're so distracted by this world. Help us, God, to get close to you, to be able to see your, your footprints, to see the back of your heels, because we, every single day, are near to you. We're not trusting ourselves. We're trusting in you. Lord, that's what it means to follow you. Help us today to take that next step, whatever it may be. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we want to just say welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, if you're someone who during the message you thought, you know what, I want to know more about Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus and I, I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Uh, we want to connect with you. So if you could text forgiven to 94,000 and that way one of our ministers can reach out to you and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything. See you guys later.